You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 7th of December. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Senior Economist John Faddy to discuss the recent developments on the financial markets. Good morning, John. Morning, Paul. John, we've witnessed a, a marked increase in market volatility over the past few weeks. Can you take us through some of the reasons why this is happening? Yes, I can indeed, Paul. So two key factors in the last week, especially. So the last couple of weeks, we've seen market sentiment a bit more fragile. Backdrop is, you know, a lot more negative news flow in relation to COVID-19. We've obviously seen higher case numbers and infection rates across some of the main advanced economies and the reimposition of of some restrictions. Uh, But then last week specifically, things came to a a height in terms of these concerns uh, with obviously the details around that new variant. Omicron and the risks that that posed. So that did, you know, sent markets into a fright over, you know, how to deal with this and the implications of this and what it means for the economic outlook and for economies. Uh, so we saw volatility on markets on the back of that. And the second key thing we saw last week, which which was a new thing that markets had to digest, uh, was the Fed turned uh, much more hawkish. Uh, so Fed Chair Powell was before Congress, uh, given his testimony to the Banking Committee on Monday. On, and over two days, he gave a committee to the, the, both the Senate and the House committees. And what he talked around there was uh, much more hawkish in tone, specifically. Now, this got a lot of attention, how he removed the word transitory from his uh, yeah. view of the inflation outlook. But the more important aspect of what he said was not that. It was more around the fact that he said that the Fed could speed up its tapering of its QE. In other words, speed up the rate at which it slows down and stops new net asset purchases as part of its QE program. So that was the more significant thing. So whilst all the headlines were around the fact that, you know, the, he no longer describes inflation as transitory, the bigger aspect from a market's perspective, especially the interest rate outlook, was what he said uh, around uh, QE and the speeding up of that. So that then caught markets off, gra- off guard and market sentiment was already fragile. Uh, so on the yeah. back of that, then we saw a sell-off on equity markets, but also volatility on bond markets and currency markets as well. So, you know, by the end of the week, uh, we saw some of the main uh, equity indices uh, down around 1%. But within the week, there was falls higher than that on certain days. Uh, so we had some up days and down days on that. Uh, but even then, from a currency viewpoint, uh, early in the week, we saw euro dollar trade as, as high as 113.8 and then yeah. fall below that and trade to a low of 112.4. So if what happened in the euro dollar rate was we've talked previously about how uh, the euro had been regaining some ground in the last couple of weeks uh, because the market was starting to decipher that, well, if COVID cases increase and we could see increased restrictions, uh, then these uh, rate hikes from central banks in terms of the Fed and and the Bank of England might not happen as soon as the market had thought. Uh, So the euro regained some ground against that backdrop uh, because as we mentioned on previous podcasts, how uh, you know the euro was losing ground against the dollar and against sterling because the expectation was their central banks would increase interest rates much sooner than the ECB would. But last week, uh, what we saw in the early part of the week was those concerns around you know the macro outlook uh, potentially slowing the rate of increase uh, or the timing and extent of increase of those interest rates from the Bank of England and the Fed. So on the back of that, in the early part of the week, uh, the euro regained uh, some ground and, and traded up to that high of 113.8. But then 
once the Fed, uh, in terms of Powell's comments, were much more on the hawkish side. Uh, we saw the dollar yeah. uh, recover some ground uh, and euro dollar move back below the 113 level. So not just volatility in equity markets, but volatility in currency markets as well. John, do you think his comments might be a little bit premature? And I just mean it purely from the, the, the new COVID variant and what impact that might have, as you said there. Like, And also, like the, maybe there's the, the risk of more variants to come in the coming months, etc. So, like, what do you think in that regard? Because I know with the Bank of England, we've kind of seen them kind of go from one side to the other in terms of potential rate increase either happening in November, it didn't happen. Now, potentially in December, it may not happen. Like, what's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I suppose it adds more uncertainty. So, you yeah. know, the, from a Fed's perspective, the Fed was uh, had pretty well communicated to the market its stance over the last couple of months. Uh, and his comments kind of came out of nowhere in terms of the speeding yeah. up of the QE tapering. There was a there was an assumption at some stage if inflation persisted for a little bit longer, it would no longer be appropriate to use the word transitory. So as I said, while Zach got all the headlines, really yeah. the unexpected part uh, was that speeding up of uh, potentially of tapering of QE because when they announced the start of that tapering, they did uh, foreguide that uh, they would increase the pace or speed it up in December. So that was already baked into expectations. Okay. Uh, but now, uh, you know, they talk about a further ramping up of that. So what it does mean, and the reason this is important uh, from an interest rate outlook is, uh, obviously, the Fed has said that it will finish its QE tapering and stop new net asset purchases before it starts to increase interest rates. So if you go and ramp up the pace of slowdown in QE purchases, then you will reach the point sooner where you can potentially increase interest rates. Uh, and the, it's what's happened really with the Fed is the Fed has moved closer to where the market was always expected. So what we heard from the Fed prior to last week generally led to the view that the Fed would guide, it was guiding that interest rate increases in the US by the end of next yeah. year, whereas the market had been pricing in by mid-year. What we saw last week from the Fed in terms of their comments, closely more intertwined with what the market's thinking that you could get a rate increase from the Fed by mid-2022. But it does, it does add uncertainty, Paul, as you say, yeah. uh, whereas the Fed was pretty more, markets were a bit more certain around that. Uh, now, you know, it's it's added a bit more interest and uncertainty around it. And then you mentioned there the Bank of England. So yeah. that's a tricky one because in the last couple of days, we've seen some Bank of England speakers. Uh, you know, the as you said, the Bank of England teed everyone up for a rate hike in November. Yeah. didn't happen. And then it kind of teed us up again for a rate hike in December. Uh, but given what we've seen in the UK in terms of the reimposition of restrictions and that, yeah. the market's now no longer pricing in a rate increase from the Bank of England by the end of this year. It's pushed it out to early next year. So but, it's taken that rate hike out. But is, is it not the same point on what's happening in the US in terms of this inflation? That's not going to be transitory. So like, are, are those central banks not going to be facing the same issues that the, the US have eventually just come to the point to it? Yeah, so they're all they're all looking at the same uh, trajectory in terms of inflation. They're all generally of the same view uh, that in inflation stu- should start to ease back in the second half of next year. But mm-hmm. I suppose the Bank of England has been the one that's been the much more hawkish, yeah. uh, saying that the economy still does need uh, rate hikes, uh, and that's what it's been guiding. Mm-hmm. Now we saw one key BOE member uh, on Friday uh, on the last couple of days roll back and say that you know less hawkish so there's a lot of uncertainty so in the next couple of weeks in two weeks time we have the bank of england the fed and the ecb all meeting over the course of two days uh, on the 16th and 17th uh, of december Uh, you know ecb we're not expecting any changes there from the fed 
what we're looking at is the announcement around the speeding up of QE tapering from the Bank of England. This is a much more, it's a hard to call, two-way risk. You know, yeah. they have been guiding that they will hike, but given the concerns now over this variant, then it does open up the question whether they, they don't. The market now no longer pricing in a rate hike by the end of this year. Uh, but with the Bank of England, you just never know, given recent experience with them. So there's a bit more volatility and uncertainty around that into the mix of all the uncertainty anyways over COVID-19. Okay, John, so as we head into 2022 uh, and taking into account some of those potential central bank actions that may happen, what do you think will be the impact on the currencies? Or do you think we're probably heading into a more range-bound period? Well, so I think... I think definitely what we could see the potential for increased volatility there because it's the interest rate outlook now in terms of near term is much more uncertain with all these other things in the mix. Yeah. So I think we're seeing more uncertainty. But one underlying driver of currency markets will always remain that interest rate differential. Yeah. So you mentioned there and I detailed earlier around how the euro lost ground against yeah. the dollar and against sterling because the fact was the market was expecting uh, sooner yeah. and more and more rate hikes from both the Bank of England and the Fed versus uh, the ECB. Obviously, that's turned around a bit in the last two weeks, and we've seen the euro regain some ground initially, but then the dollar, you know, tend to hold the upper hand. And at the same time, sterling's fallen back against both the euro and the dollar because the market's now less certain about a Bank of England rate hike. So with all this uncertainty around it, I think that, okay, we may be confined to relatively narrow ranges where we are at the moment, but within that, we could see increased volatility, especially into the end of the year on that basis. And John, the payrolls from last week, we better not not mention them. So kind of very surprising number. but you might could have covered the two aspects in terms of the unemployment number, but also what the payroll number was itself. Yeah, so weaker than expected in terms of that. And, you know, the payrolls, we always talk about it. It's the big release every month in yeah. terms of the global macro calendar. And it's obviously the key release in the U.S. And the reason it gets so much attention is in the U.S., the consumer is king. The consumer makes up 70% of the economy. Yeah. And a predeterminant of what the consumer does is obviously what's happening in the labor market. So a fair degree weaker than expected payroll number of just 210,000 versus an expectation of for 550,000. But the unemployment rate, as you mentioned there, did edge lower. I yeah. suppose the, the thing that we're still dealing with in the U.S. at the moment is that there still is roughly uh, you know 10 million job vacancies in the U.S., yet payrolls are around 4.5 million below where they were uh, before the pandemic hit. So this feeds back into then the outlook for inflation and shortages in labor. Uh, yeah. That aspect of it, you know, if it becomes embedded, one aspect where it does become embedded is uh, with, you know, if you saw increased wage growth on on the back of that labor shortages. Uh, so all these things are intertwined in terms of, you know, how we look at the rate, at the outlook. And the key thing really is, is this assumption around inflation and the yeah. general view that, you know, the energy, what we've seen in terms of energy costs, in the last two weeks, we've seen oil prices fall back. One of the key drivers of inflation, especially obviously headline inflation, is higher oil prices at the moment, higher energy costs. But we have seen them fall back. And if you look at futures contracts, you know, oil prices and other energy costs are expected to fall back uh, and stabilize in the early part of next year. So that's one aspect of what's pushing inflation higher at the moment that should come out of the equation. The second key aspect is around supply disruptions, transport disruptions and labor shortages. And the general view is that they will ease in the second half of next year. There's more uncertainty over that now. And the timing of it keeps getting pushed out as to when we start to see that ease. But if it does happen and the general assumption still remains that that will happen, then we should start to see uh, inflation fall back. 
moving it back then to the Fed, to the central bank's policy deliberations. Uh, you know, you know, the reason the Fed is looking at hiking interest rates next year is because its two key objectives is employment and price stability. Uh, and it puts more weight now on the employment side. Uh, so obviously the payroll number, the last year that we referenced there is disappointment from that perspective, yeah. but it's only one month. So if they see continued growth in payrolls and at the same time inflation starts to stabilize, that's why they will be comfortable with hiking uh, interest rates. And that's okay. where all this comes into the policy deliberations of the central banks when they digest the news flow uh, around that. And it's really it's all about the call in inflation, which is the key driver for markets at the moment. But then you throw in the uncertainty around COVID and variants, as you mentioned, yeah. and that just adds the uncertainty in markets. And hence why we're probably in for a volatile few weeks on that front. Yeah, so I've got to say, in summary, John, probably just more volatility, more uncertainty as we run into the end of the year and into the start of next year. Yeah. Now, when we always expect that, then sometimes we get the unexpected and markets settle down. And even if you look at the early part of this week, yesterday we saw investor sentiment firm up a little bit because the key thing is no one really knows about this new variant. You know, we're seeing now reports over the weekend that whilst it might be more transmissible, the effects of it might be much less severe than the Delta. Uh, yeah. So markets are, you know, are digesting this news flow and taking solace from it. And we saw equity markets uh, regain some momentum next year or in the last couple of days. But really, it's too soon to call in terms of what's happening here. No one really knows about this variant yet. Uh, but how that materializes and evolves, you know, will be a key aspect, too, in terms of what's driving yeah. sentiment in, in, the sh- in the short term. Okay, John, uh, many thanks for the very comprehensive update and a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AAB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcast. Talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.